Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also joining us this week, Lavender Gooms. You got a real like smooth jazz thing going on with your voice right now, Bob. So what's up? You're slow talking. I mean, I, you guys know how fast I talk. So I figure if I start farther slow, by the time it ramps up, you know, we'll still I like be it. I understandable. I got fucking cousins that come and visit from Iran thinking they know English, and then they talk to me, and they're like, this guy talks too fucking fast. <laughs> <laughs> too fast. Um, all right, boys and girls. Um, I'm not sure we actually ever fully addressed this, but going forward, um, mm. you guys are going to hear the three of us. Um, hopefully. Pr- hopefully, every week. Um, Stefan has taken a step back. Um I don't remember honestly if we talked about this on the show. I don't think we did ever. We didn't really address it. Yeah. I think we we tiptoed around it. Yeah. But he's like taking a hiatus. He's Stephon always taking a hiatus. Welcome back. Yeah, Stefan is still one fourth of this company that isn't really a company, but he is. It's a quarter his. So whenever he wants to come back and come back, um, he is no longer in the picks this year. So um, the options are to just uh, just make him last place, or. Mark and I spend the next four months making or makes three and a half months making sure Mike is last place. And I'm leaning towards that option. I think <laughs> I like the option of keeping since he is always going to be a part of this podcast. Uh, and he, as you say, he is a fourth of it. Then we need to keep his ass in fourth. OK, we could we could give him the percentage. Like, what's his percentage? Nah, right? No, now? no, that's like not how this works. Do it by way. Yeah. What if we all start eating it? Come on right. now. <laughs> Went, well, that would be sad. We, we all start All right, boys and girls. Um, Mark's convinced himself we need to talk about this Anthony Smith fight. So, I mean, I, I said I should watch it because it was like two <laughs> minutes long. I couldn't find it on ESPN Plus quick enough. So, um, so yeah, that happened. Anthony Smith went out there and took care of Ryan uh, Ryan Span or Spawn? Is it? <laughs> Span. I, didn't, I didn't watch. I didn't get to hear their take on it. I'm guessing Span. I think it's Span. Um, I guess he didn't. Uh, Anthony didn't appreciate some of the comments that Ryan had made before the fight, and decided to whoop that ass real quick. Um, we are uh, going to mention. You know, I don't think any of us anybody saw it here. Uh, Phil Davis and uh, Yoel Romero. Actually, Mike did. Saw three minutes of highlights. Mike was watching it, weren't you? When we were talking. I was. Uh, we were playing um, Uno. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did. It, it wasn't entirely entertaining yeah uh yoel did a lot of nothing is my understanding um and then jaron Vallel, who in addition to being a bad mma referee is a bad mma judge where he managed to give a round to yoel and everybody just kind of looked like the fuck's going on there it was uh, a split right like he gave him someone gave him more than a round no he gave him uh two rounds actually you're right yeah i, I saw mean, it, not, it was 30 27 30 26 28 28 29 mm. so yeah um, we also, uh, Rumble Johnson had to back out of his fight with, uh, Nemkov, I believe he was about to, f- oh. was he about to fight Nemkov, I think in the tournament next, no, I believe tournament fight. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, he's got, he's sick. 
Um, it's not the COVID, mm. but okay. he does say that it was really difficult on him. Um, I think Rumble actually has some problems internally from the years of uh, bad, bad weight cuts. Mm, I remember he had a couple sure. issues beforehand. So, I mean, this is at light heavyweight, so maybe maybe he can't do that. But um seems like mm. an opportunity here, Mark, for them to just book this fight again, though. Like, let's just do it. Oh, Romero? Uh, oh, have a Romero in... Rumble? Hey, I mean, from my basic understanding, like, Romero didn't look that hot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, fight. but, like, let's just I do this. Let's before, like, I mean, all the could, steam is gone. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm kind of just, like... If that dude wanted to get on his horse and ride on out to the sunset, he's forty-four years old. I, I, I don't. Uh, okay. I don't. I didn't like this first matchup for him, um, uh, Phil Davis for Romero, because hmm. nobody in history has looked good fighting Phil Davis, except maybe Rumble Johnson. Hmm, like, Bader I, how was that? It was shitty. It was terrible. Okay. Right, Phil enough. Davis is very difficult to look good against, honestly. And this is not yeah. like I'm not even an insult to the man. It's just. I think it was, I mean, we're not going to get into it too much, but I thought it was interesting that he struggled on the wrestling, you know, aspect. And, and I think that's part of, you know, seeing Romero at 185, where he wasn't really fighting against a lot of wrestlers. He, I think he just nullified anyone even attempting to do that. So him going up to 205, you know, a much heavier weight class and fighting someone like Phil Davis, who's a very accomplished wrestler. But I mean, I think their credentials, right, Bobby, like Romero credential wise, it should be the much better Yeah, Romero's wrestler, also 44 years old. Yeah, given youth, given size, you know, yeah, it definitely uh, Phil's huge. Advantage. Yeah, Phil's really big. He's a he's a big, lengthy, uh, light heavyweight. And like he could easily be heavyweight did, if you wanted to. But. Did Phil win the NCAA championship? I'm not sure. No? I know. I, I, I know, know he. I know he beat Chris Weidman actually in the tournament when they were both seniors. That was the thing that mm. happened. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, the thing that's interesting too is who's going to step in for Rumble because I'm pretty sure Nemkov beat Phil Davis in the first round. Um, yeah, so it kind of makes it a weird. And it, I, mean, they, I don't know if they really had an official like reserve fighter. Team. Honestly, he's the fucking champion. Let him go to the finals. Let's just let him go to the finals. Just... Probably shouldn't get a bye, but it is if if the only option is to roll. Well, I don't know who they, I don't I don't know who's in two hundred five who didn't put. I mean, how? De- I mean, they have a decent two two hundred five pound division, but I mean, they put eight guys English in this guy. fucking tournament. Liam, what's Liam what up to? Not, not even him. It's a different one. Was it Lid- Linton something or other? Oh, Linton Vassell? Yeah. Isn't he? Is he a 205-er? Uh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. The Bellator guy will figure it out. Um, we didn't go to this, though, this event, um, even though we it's being in our backyard. I'm, I'm kind of happy we did. <laughs> um, I'm sure if we done. sat there, we would have seen a Diaz brother walking around, uh, some of American Kickboxing Academy. Got a, Nick's got a fight coming up. I don't know if he's making the rounds. The other out, one. But. Nate. Okay. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> um. But anyway, uh, yeah, um, fuck it. Let's uh, let's just talk about some news here. Um, sure. Things we've seen so far today that are kind of interesting. Well, this week is that uh, little one FC news, which I know we don't get into that often. But mm-hmm. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is going to do a mixed rules fight against a bit of a kickboxing legend, right, Marcus? Mm-hmm. You didn't pull it up because I have his name here, but I'm gonna about to butcher and this. Give his go with his name. It's fine. <laughs> Rontong Mitamuangana. <laughs> the last name is really hard to fall over right. for me. In the meantime, yeah. I, I'm not as you know proficient in like the rounds of Muay Thai and like who this guy is and what his accolades are. But like you said, Bobby, people seem excited. They he seems to be a big deal. So you know he must be fairly I, deadly. I don't like these fucking things. I get why they do them. 
Um, I mean, we end up with great moments like Aoki getting knocked out. I was going to say that objectively was, yeah. hilarious. Um, so the first round of this fight, Mike, is going to be mixed martial arts. It's going to be kickboxing. Second round is mixed martial arts. Third round, kickboxing. Fourth round, mixed martial arts. Don't know why it's f- fucking four rounds. Well, um, it's very simple uh, it's, why it's, it's, it's four it's, rounds. Uh, it's four yeah. rounds because so that way uh, no one has an undue uh, advantage. I mean, hmm. cool. Um, I mean, Mighty Mouse is one of the smarter fighters. Well, go ahead, Mark. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what's interesting is that, you know, unbeknownst to maybe some of our listeners, because it's not super, you know, well-known or talked about, like, 1FC does a lot of kickboxing matches. Mm-hmm. Like, in the cage, just... And I don't know, Bobby, do you know, do they wear boxing gloves or do they wear the MMA gloves? Because I kind of think they might wear the MMA gloves and just have kickboxing rules. Do they? Because I know that was actually a thing that What's-His-Name was trying to invent um, in Australia. Um, I... I only think it's that because I, I know I've seen a, it like a couple of the fights, but I think I remember Misha talking because she used to be the the VP or whatever her position was, and she said like you know a lot of people didn't really know that like we do these great kick we have these fantastic Muay Thai fighters and kickboxers, and I almost positive she said like and it's even more exciting because they use the small ounce gloves, which I would assume they would use in this too because. I mean, what are you going to grapple with, you know, Muay Thai mitts on? Like, how are you going to get a hold of anybody or, you know, you know, be able to grab someone's, you know, wrist to, you know, have control and do submissions and stuff like that? So it's interesting, you know. Um, I mean, this gets to the second round. This guy's fucked uh, completely. You you would think so. I mean, that's what o- Aoki thought, right? He's like, I can just flop around for the first round. And hopefully, well, it depends I mean, if they got like, a, they're going to have grounded. So, I mean, they're going to, I mean, I'm not sure. Grounded strikes, I guess they're going to have to the head. Because that's what they do in one in the kickboxing world. No, in the second round, in the MMA round. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, it gives the guy a better chance. But I mean, I, talking about the Aoki fight, I mean, what he kind of it was it Aoki? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it was. I mean, <laughs> that's what famously. That's what made it funnier because it was yeah, Aoki. What he, what he famously did, which was, I mean, honestly, kind of smart. It blew up in his face. But in the first round, he would just, you know, throw drop kicks and, and cartwheel kicks and basically just do anything to flop on the floor and then take time off the clock, getting back up slowly and just, you know wheedling away that three minutes until it was finally his turn to do uh, the MMA portion and, you know, historically got knocked out instantly, uh, karma. But, I mean, if Demetrius Johnson is looking for some strategy, I mean, if he's not doing well, going for, like, a somersault kick and then slowly getting back up after you fail your technique is maybe not the worst way to kill some time and try to get to those later rounds. Um, Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he does make it into the second round and he he has the whole MMA you know, rule set to his, you know, is he going to be able to to really utilize those and, and win the Bro, fight that way? It, I it's love, an interesting matchup. I love Muay Thai. This guy's 24 years old. He has 267 wins. I mean, every, a couple times a week. They just throw down, man. We got to go to Thailand. How is that physically possible? CTE like, is, not a, is not a thing in Thailand. Or we Jesus. don't care. It's a lot of getting hit. Yeah. But it's like a weird, like it's a weird thing where like, I guess in certain rounds they kind of take them off, both of them, and it's the it's, first it's round is historically a feeling out round yeah, where the, neither guy really does a whole lot, and I think it was the second and third, and that, that's why some really proficient Muay Thai fighters have struggled in more you know fundamental kickboxing, like K one. A lot of the guys coming into K one Max and stuff, they're used to taking that first round off, and like they're they immediately don't getting in Max cracked. Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. They they go hard instantly. So um, you know, I think a lot of them have adjusted to that type of kind of mindset where it's like, yeah, we're going to, you know, just kind of throw some front kicks and just see how you react and try to get a read on, you know, what you're used to in the second and third round and really turn it up. Obviously in this fight, 
he's going to have to go out of the gate. He's probably going to want to get DJ out of there as quickly as possible. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It's I don't hate these like weird mix rules. It's kind of weird, but it's you know it's yeah. Fun. Well, we're talking about one FC. They need to mix it up. We're talking about one FC, so it doesn't hurt. After that, yeah. I mean, they those, that, those cards, Mike. You and I tried when they were on TNT. They it went as bad as possible. Honestly, did, did they just give up on one FC? On no, CNC, well, I know. I think they were on Bleacher Report the whole time because I think TNT owns Bleacher Report, um, which I, okay, but I think that's where it was on B because I don't think they were. I mean, they're putting them on in a really good time. Dynamite is on fire. It seemed like they they had a plan. Yeah. And it wasn't like we're gonna have sustained cards for like the next year. Every month we're gonna have one big card. It was like it was like three or four weeks. It's like, we have four cards lined up for these upcoming four weeks. We're putting all of the big American yeah. assets that we recently got on there to try to, you know, boost our fan base. And like you said, it didn't seem like the production side was ready for it. The fights didn't really deliver what we were expecting. The results I think wasn't really what maybe they were hoping for. Um, you know, a lot of the big famous, you know, or more well-known MMA, you know, American MMA fighters did end up losing, which I mean, it, it one way you look at it is like that kind of grows your 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 own stars like it kind of shows like yo like this guy used to be you know uh mighty mouse used to be legitimately you know the best uh featherweight right flyweight. i don't remember what is flyweight that the ufc ever had and he just got demolished and you look at what they do with weight classes he was kind of fighting a weight class above there's lots of little caveats or whatever you can put in there but you know it, it kind of let them shine their own stars but i don't know how much how well that translates to a u.s audience which is like Okay, the one guy I knew in your roster that I cared about just lost. So, do I, I just, have anything I, to care about? I don't know. I think that I, this is just a side note. The thing MMA promotions need to stop doing is just giving me some old ass UFC fighter sitting at the commentary desk, like throwing it to the desk for me to hear from Randy Couture or fucking Rich Franklin or only I mean, Rich works there. I get it. But, yeah. like, nobody cares about these fucking people anymore. Sorry. Just they don't. Yeah, they're, they're trying to appeal to a fan base that I don't really know is even. Well, I mean, we talked about it last week, right? We're like, we're, we're fishing for that era of MMA. We had Tito versus Anderson Silva, which this is my yeah. reminder yeah. that God, everybody go back and watch that, please. Um, before I go uh, talk about Mighty Mouse again, um, the guy running 1FC said that there was inaccuracies to the bloody elbow report about how they are not making money and they're full of shit about every financial they mm. said, but he did not point to any specific thing being false at any point. So, okay. so it's all true is what I'm probably um, Demetrius Johnson also just um, earlier today gave a shout out to Joseph Benavidez called him a legend because Joseph Benavidez retired this week. Joseph retired and um, Carlos Condit retired. Mm-hmm. Um, Honestly, Mark, we can't really say enough good things about both of these guys. They did everything you could ask for. I mean, Carlos won the interim title, but, you know, didn't win the actual title. And DJ, I mean, and, and Benavidez got close so many times. Um, two guys who really we could always depend on to come through for a good fight. Um, I don't think uh, Benavidez had the finishing rate Carlos Condit did. Probably nobody does, really. Man's got 28 finishes and 32 fights, 32 wins. It's insane. But two guys who did it a long time, came from the WEC, both of them, made their names in the UFC, and we're going to miss guys like this, I think. What do you think, Marcus? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, they they both, you know, really put their time in the sport. I mean, you can even go further back. I think the first time Carlos Conant really got on my radar, I think it was Rumble on the Rocks. They had a huge middleweight tournament. Anderson Silva was there, Yushin Okami. 
Um, a bunch of other guys, former UFC guys were in there. Um, and he won that tournament. I mean, historically, you know, Anderson had to bow out because I think Yushin hit him with an illegal upkick. Um, but it was a huge oh, tournament. No, and Anderson hit Yushin with an illegal upkick. Upkick? Okay. Somebody hit somebody with an illegal upkick. Um, so I think, you know, they didn't quite have to, like, that part of the bracket kind of fell apart. Um, but it was a huge, you know, that was the first time he really got on my radar because that was a big tournament that he won. And, yeah, and then WEC... He had a lot of great performances. And, you know, I think in the last couple of years, we've definitely seen him wane a little bit. Um, I think, didn't he win his last fight? But he lost his, like, last four or five Carlos, before that. Carlos so he, lost yeah. his last one, but he had two in a row where we're like, Carlos kind of looks like Carlos. Like, he looked yeah. pretty sharp in him. But he was resurging a little bit. Um, and then Benavidez, you know, it's 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 really tough to be in a position where that guy is, where he's kind of always the next best after whoever's holding the belt. Um, he got a lot of shots at the belt and just couldn't make it happen, which is really unfortunate. And I think he kind of just knew like it wasn't going to happen again. He had his one last shot at the belt. And when it kind of fell through, I think even he even said that he kind of knew he was done for a while and just didn't announce it until, you know, everything was, you know, put in place. But yeah, you know, two guys that are, that will be missed, but I'm, you know, it's good to know when to hang it up. And it's good that you make that call instead of your family making that call or the physicians making that call or the athletic commission making that call. Um, better to go out on your terms than, you know, because your body just can't do it. So, you know, hopefully they pivot um, into other things. I, I don't really know what either of them is going to do next, but I think they, well, there's a lot of avenues. Joseph's going to help raise that for sure. adorable dog he has with his wife. Um, okay, well, I got two dogs. Uh, That's not enough, Bob. Yeah. You got to do um, a little bit more than that. Joseph, once, you're, once you're potty trained, you're kind of done. I want to thank Joseph, by the way, because he is on the intro of this podcast. So I don't know if we have anybody so you active have any anymore. Active I was Misha's, say, Misha's the only oh, one. Thank you, Misha. Is Caraway retired? <laughs> he should be. I think Caraway's in jail. I don't think he went to jail. <laughs> um, But I just something I, I read uh, when he first did it. Luna, stop it. Sorry, my dog is making noises. <laughs> Um, she's staring at the mirror, staring herself down. Mm. Um, Joseph put out a, a little poem he wrote um, after he lost to DJ the second time. Um, and it's real short. It just, I'm going to read it again here because it stuck with me always. I thought it was really showed how much of a well thought out, uh, 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 well, I'm a thoughtful person he was. And not just, you know, we all had a lot of fun with Jiu-Jitsu and my favorite nickname, Joe Kazuna or Joe B-Wan Kenobi. All great. But um, here it is. <laughs> Blood and sweat, sometimes tears, battered hands, countless fears, highest highs, lowest lows, shattered dreams, the hurt just grows. Your smile, she your smile shields the pain you hide, all the while you're dead inside. Your faith is absent, your your will gives out. Now clear your mind, erase the doubt. Everything you have, you gave to feel self worth. That's all you crave. The world's a stage. This is your role. You break you break your heart. You sell your soul. Stay the course, endure the pain. You were born to entertain. So just talking mm. about so it's that was good. I yeah, it was. I was. I was like Joseph, and um, thankful that he's on this podcast intro. And Carlos Condit, I know we all got salty with that Nick Diaz fight, folks. I know we were all salty. We throwing spinning shit now. I mean, I'm just saying the man had one boring fight, and if he fought the other way, he may not have won. Quite frankly. <laughs> If he fought his normal way, he may not have won. Did what he had to do to get a big to get the interim title and get a big fight against GSP. And hell, we still got Nick versus GSP at ultimately. So mm -hmm. it is what it is. Um and Carlos responded to us on Twitter too. So I like both of them. 
Very there you nice go. guys. Um, friends of the pod. Exactly. Definitely friends of the pod. Um, Joseph actually responded a bunch of times on Twitter to us. Good man. Um, really? He read one of our articles. Actually, well, that's, because that's because I, I talked far. about I how the, anyone to do that. Yeah, he read one of our articles back when there was uh, written content on our website. We used to do that. Yeah. Um, was it was it one of mine? I don't. I think Did it might have been me. Articles? I think I think it was me. I think it was the one about yeah. how there was a time where like the entire all of Team Alpha Male had a chance to win a championship within like two months of each other. Ah. And then, okay. Uh, and then like I I wrote it, and then I missed one of them, and he said, "Oh, you forgot so and so in W and uh, Lance Palmer in World Series of Fighting." So then I updated right. it. And he said thank you. Um, anyway, uh, other piece of news: uh, Michael Chandler isn't an anti-vaxer. No, he just never. he just he just lo- he just thinks America is so great that he doesn't have to get the vaccine. Doesn't who he is just, arguing him with that? The, the people. Do you, do you think these people who talk about American freedom are aware that like there's like 112 countries of freedom or something like that? There's a mm. lot of free countries. Not as free <laughs> I, as this. I country. don't know, man. It, it sounds like he gave a classic non-answer or sidestep. Okay, a hundred percent. that's like that. That's like the dude. That's, that's like the dude who picks up the girl that says, "No, no, no, I'm not anti condom. I just love unprotected sex." Like <laughs> you're saying the same thing. Exactly. Fair enough. Um. Yeah. Fuck him. I mean, give, give context. He basically. He he moved the goalpost a few times, right? Because he's getting this fight with Justin Gaethje. We're worried it's going to be in New York. You got to be vaccinated, and then he, oh, he pulls it turns the line. out you don't. <laughs> well, he pulls the line. Look at I'm not anti-vax. I just need federal government approval on this drug before I put it in my body. That's all. That's all he's asking for. And then once it got that, he's like, "Well, look at I got to do some research now. I got to figure out what's going on." They're all doing research. He might even yeah. want the swollen nutsack. Like, oh, okay. uh, no, I know. You hear one story. Doc- and you're oh, like, man, Doctor Chandler here about to do medical research and blind double. Bl- what mm-hmm. is it? Double blind mm-hmm. placebo test. <laughs> man, that uh, that that fucking story about Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend. Dude cheated on his uh, fiance, got gonorrhea, and he became a worldwide headline. <laughs> Is that is that what gonorrhea gives you? Gonorrhea think, gives you soul and nuts. I think so. I don't know. I've never had the. the I just thought it gave you a medical. I thought it was. Uh, card was I thought that. it was uh, burning when you pee pee that gonorrhea gives you. Well, I mean, if Some your nuts point. are swollen, it might make it pee and make you burn. I don't know. We need to get. We're not doctors. Um, and finally, uh, Triller says they're planning on announcing and negotiating Vitor versus Carlos versus Oscar De La Hoya. Sorry, um, hmm. calling mm-hmm. it the Revenge going to be on Thanksgiving sure. week because Carlos uh, Carlos Oscar is going to get revenge for um Evander Holyfield. These guys got to be these guys got to be stopped. We talked about it last week and um I can't do as much justice as Brian Campbell and Luke Thomas do about how fucking much of a clown shoes operation this thriller shit is. But they got to go. I didn't f- know they had musical guests. I like. I thought that was a failed experiment. They're like, okay, now we know where our bread's getting butter. Let's just put old people in boxing gloves. And it's like, no, we're still doing it. We're still no, doing wait. concerts. Did, did they have uh, concerts for that last fight? I don't yeah, remember seeing any. They did. They did. That's what Bobby told me. Yeah, That's, they and did. I have to go to him because I'm not paying for this stuff. I'm just yeah, I'm and I a, absolutely for sure paid second. for it. Uh oh. You guys we're still good. there? Mm-hmm. Yep, still here. All right. Um, don't know what happened there. All right. Um, let's just talk about this card, huh? We might as well. Big. It's massive. Uh, Pretty stacked card. Yeah, let me just read through the main event. 
or the main card here. Alex Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega. Tough coaches. I think this fight got delayed. Didn't didn't Volkanovsky get Rona? I feel that happened. Mm, he might have. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and we saw Volkanovsky actually when we were in Vegas. Mike and I did. Um, Bobby specifically stalked him. That's definitely what happened. Yeah. You didn't fucking chase him all the way through that fucking casino, Mike. <laughs> I was not the one that chased him. I pointed out, hey, there's Volkanovsky. Oh, okay. That's what happened. I have never seen the fast twitch muscles in Bobby's legs go so quickly. Look, as a large man myself, and he's about as tall as me, I needed to know what diet he went on. Okay? Because <laughs> this dude used to be beefy. Um, that's the main event. Co-main event. Valentina Shevchenko versus poor Lauren Murphy. I might have tipped mm. my hand on my pick here. But the fucking betting line, um, which one of you please get up is absurd got it um thanks mike the return the actual main event um they're going five rounds are yeah they, i don't are know doing, are they is doing it, this diaz brother like the last one is this five rounds know, or not that, does anybody know is that a diaz contract thing now it's just diaz brothers get five rounds i honestly don't know i haven't heard um, here or there i would assume three i think, I think they three would have made a big stink about it if it was five 209 months after their first matchup which is my favorite thing i read today nick diaz and robbie lawler the legend of this fight grew, something that Joe Rogan actually very much helped in this sport with doing. I know we're all shitting on Joe recently because he's a fucking idiot, but this was actually something good he did, um, spreading the legend of Nick Diaz getting in the cage, screaming, Stockton, motherfucker, and Robbie Lawler looking confused about why he was so angry. And then Steve Mazzagotti kept kept telling Nick Diaz throughout the fight, no talking, which that's not a rule. Yeah, I mean, it was it was the first time we really saw him, you know, use his words to beat his opponent like he was you know we, we it's and, become much more common now for guys to vocally kind of you know taunt and berate their opponent but that was kind of the first time anyone had ever like talked that much during a fight and obviously steve doesn't know what the fuck he's doing so he was like please be quiet this is against the rules <laughs> only i talk um 209 uh months gives us what 15 17, 17 years about that. are we 17 yeah, years i was trying to do the math earlier and I, I think it's like 17 years um if you haven't seen this first fight it's one of the best i mean, I mean i'm not sure one of the best fights in mma history but it's definitely one of the most um it's kind of almost almost like a it's like a, it's just a legend legendary fight this one the first one and yeah, it was it was it was nick and carlos seems and robbie seems excited for it and nick seems excited for it so i don't think it's five rounds it's probably for the best that it's not after seven years or whatever yeah. since he fought i, I the same um so and then curtis razor blades versus the biggie boy yair mm -hmm. uh, rosenstruck and then jessica and versus cynthia calvillo at flyweight that's the main card fucking bangers um on the undercard we got marlon Moraes taking on um marab uh i always say this guy's name wrong uh Dijvili or something um dan hooker Good enough for me dan hooker who if you guys have been paying attention gets he had to get an emergency visa to make this happen. Apparently mm, gets right. there Thursday, weighs in on Friday, fights on Saturday. Mm, He's rough, coming dude. from fucking New Zealand. Yeesh. Um taking on Nasrat uh Harperas. And poor Dan Hooker. So he's he got an emergency visa, is coming to the States, and then he's I mean, assuming he's going right back to New Zealand, he's quarantining for two weeks, right? Yeah. Poor guy, man. Dan, Dan Hooker is a goddamn legend if he pulls this off. I mean, I'm just saying, if he pulls this off. He had to like go on Twitter and ask the ambassador and shit to get this happening. It was wild. Um, let's make some picks. Where are we with the standings right now, Mike, though? Uh, sure. So I am still in first place at 51 and 28. 
Bobby is in second at 49 and 30. And Mark is in third at 48 and 31. Wait, and what, how many wins did you have? 51 and 28. So you're, so you're two games up on me. I'm one game up on Mark? Yes. Okay, and mm-hmm. Stefan Stefan's out. And Stefan is in fourth at 45 and 34. And this is the last week that his is, you know, current. Exactly. Or, you know, yeah. Right. So. Uh, what are the betting odds? So he'll for this always main event? be in fourth. What's the betting? Um, sure, whatever you say. Betting odds for main event. <laughs> uh, betting odds. Uh, Volkanovski is a negative one sixty four favorite. So Ortega's pop plus one thirty two. So essentially a toss up. This is via Fanduel, right? This is via Best Fight Odds. Well, oh, Fanduel. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Thank you. Um, I got a. I don't have a reason for this beyond I have a feeling, just in my gut. And has gone wrong many times. But I think Ortega's going to pull this off. Um, I was less impressed with Alex in that rematch with the Max. Uh, to Max With Max. Um, I don't feel he... I mean, when you're coming off of a win and there's an immediate rematch, I know it's not on you to make adjustments. But I felt Mac, Max made a lot of adjustments. And I think we all thought Max won, to be honest. I think it was 3-2 in favor of Max, we all thought. Mm-hmm. Alex got the win. I'm not sure it was a robbery necessarily, but... Brian makes such big strides in every one of his fights, and he's bounced back so well from the beating Max gave him that I'm. I think Ortega's going to get it done here, and I think Ortega's Ortega's had long layoffs before, and he's always come back pretty good off the long layoffs. And I don't know. I I can't really put my without verbalizing necessarily, but I think we're going to get Brian Ortega as UFC champion at the end of the night. Uh, what do you think, Mike? <sighs> I think this one was a tough one to to pick. Um, if you want to play, I, I'm not even sure you can really play MMA math with this one. Um, if you wanted to do it between the uh, the three of them that you mentioned, um, part of me wants to pick Volkanovski. However, to your credit, and this is the thing I was thinking about, Ortega since that Max fight. He has looked better and better with each fight. And I think this will be a matter of just how much has he grown since the beating he took against Holloway. And, you know, what what will he show us in this fight that we haven't seen since the last fight? And I'm also going to be banking on that we'll see a different type of take in this fight, an improved one. You're muted, Bob. Sorry. What do you think, Mark? New champion? Are you going to join us? Uh, I'll be on the opposite end. I, I think you guys bring up good points, and it's actually what I was thinking, too. I mean, it, it, it's hard not to kind of be on Ortega's side, especially after, um, like you mentioned, Bob, the huge, the vast jump in skill level that we saw from his loss to Max Holloway to his comeback fight against Korean Zombie were... It looked like he didn't just like pick up striking. He became insanely proficient at it. And, you know, relatively, I think it was it was a couple year layoff. It was it was a decent amount of layoff. He had time to work. But that that's what was impressing. You know, he had a lot of time to go back to the gym and really not to sharpen tools, but put more stuff in there, get a lot better at striking and just seeing him just completely outstrike, completely own uh, the Korean zombie on the feet, which leading up to that fight seemed like that was going to be zombies best avenue to win. You know, I, I think had to have turned a lot of heads. And when you just look at just pure skill set of both these guys, um, you know, Ortega 
has always been known as this insanely proficient submission grappling savant, um, able to pull off submissions from the clinch, not even off the ground. Um, so it definitely seems like there's going to be places where if the fight ends up on the ground, if Ortega's on top, Alexander's going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, on the feet, it's going to be really interesting. I'm going to go with Alexander. Um, just one to kind of mix it up. Um, and it's not even a pick I'm super excited about or confident in because I haven't Alexander's done good work in the cage. He's he's earned his spot at the top. You know, he beat Max Holloway. But the the wins just I don't know. They they, they never impressed me so much. You know, I felt like he's kind of a point fighter. I don't see him going for the kill enough. I see him kind of looking at every striking exchange as a little game in, in and of itself. I want to get in first. I want to get the, the cleanest shot in and get out without getting hit. Um, and that kind of strategy, while personally, I'm not a huge fan of it. I like guys that go for the finish that are looking to damage, aren't just looking to score cleanly and get out. It's it's a sound strategy, and it's a strategy that a lot of fighters utilize, especially when they become champion to retain the belt. You can look at, like a, at an Anderson Silva or even a, a GSP. They're going to do the things they need to do to survive, to win rounds, and get decisions. And I kind of think that's where Alexander is going to be in. Look, I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to see Alexander go out there and drop Ortega, go out there and take him to the ground and ground and pound him out or get a submission well, on him. I, I, I think we've learned that Ortega's fucking chin is absurd. And yeah. if, if Volkanovsky by submission better be plus like a million. <laughs> yeah, like, can, can we find seems, that? Let me see if I can find the, the odds. That seems that. insane. So I, I'm going with Alexander. It's not a it's not a super confident pick, but I do feel like in individual exchanges, he's going to probably have a more varied entry and exit to get in and out without taking a lot of damage. Um, but like you guys mentioned, I've also been so impressed with Ortega. That jump from the Holloway to Korean zombie fight was fantastic. And now it's been another long layoff. And a lot of times you think like these guys skills get rusty or take has proven that it's the opposite. So it's going to be really intriguing to see if he comes out, even what I would really love to see like the biggest goal, the highest bar I would love to see Ortega is to see his wrestling match his, his jujitsu game and his striking dude can actively take guys down if he's just if he's just drilled on double legs chaining takedown attempts getting in the clinch and, and if he really worked that he's an all-around threat um, could ease i mean if, if he puts that in his tool set and can strike as good as we saw him with korean zombie can sub guys like we've seen in the past but also wrestle them out muscle them in the clinch get them to the ground he'd be all, practically unstoppable unstoppable on paper so I, i'd love to see that i don't think we will i think we're going to see alexander play the point game, play the distance game, measure when he's getting in and out and get the rounds and win. I'm going to say a very close decision at the end of the day. I see Volkanovsky plus 1200 to win by submission. Uh, mm -hmm. It's worth mentioning that I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. Valentina is minus 1300 to win this, her fight in the next one. So that's the type of odds we're talking about here. Right. Um, anyway. Um, so two to one in favor of uh, T city. Um which either stands for Torrance or Triangle. Both accurate with the way this man fights. Sure. And uh, UFC needs themselves a real heartthrob champion. The ladies need something since GSP is gone. Let's uh, let's give him that in Brian Ortega. All um, right, Bobby. Yeah, Brian Ortega. I saw, cards Brian, out there. I saw Brian Ortega in person. He's one of the most handsome people I've seen in real life. Good Lord. It was... The man looks very I sharp. think he looks better with the hair than the shaved head, but that's just my personal take. Is he shaved right now? 
He was for the Korean fight, Korean oh. zombie fight. That's all I saw. I was like, I was, I was a little thrown. I was like, mm-hmm, all right, don't uh, don't dig that as much. But you do you. I'm not, you know. Co-main event: Valentina Shevchenko is an absurd favorite over Lauren Murphy. You're going to get a lot less an- analysis from us on these next few fights, folks. Um, I just don't know how she wins this. Valentina, I know I'm a homer for her, but this is she's minus thirteen hundred. Um, she's better everywhere. She is yet to show the only flaw we see in Valentina's game sometimes is that, and it only came up when she fought um, Amanda. We're like, oh, she should be more aggressive. But I think she's finishing everybody these days, Mark. The only one she hasn't finished was Liz, and Liz doesn't get finished. Yeah, like, I, I, think I, I, didn't, get... I didn't pull up the record because it's not, I don't feel super relevant in this fight to kind of look past in the past. Um, I mean, you say you don't know how she loses. I know how she loses. Lauren Murf- Murphy does what Lauren Murphy does. If you're going to say there's a weakness of Valentina, you can easily say her, her bottom game is not super great. When she fucked up the takedown and Maya got on top of her, there wasn't a ton on the bottom. She didn't really need to. She knew the rest of the rounds were going to be hers. So you didn't see a lot of scramble. I mean, she got the uh, she got the sub off her back on um who's the person fighting Amanda, um, Pena. I remember she took an armbar off of Pena off her back. Okay, which has she's no slouch on top either. Pena. Pena's a pretty aggressive top control game. Look, I love Lauren Murphy and how outspoken she is, and she's a grinder. But she needs to do that for twenty five minutes. That's a, a yeah. tall order, Marcus. I'm big in Valentina if it's not clear, and I'm sure you are too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I see the avenue Lauren needs to take to win this fight, and I feel like that avenue is her strength. You know, she is a grinder. She, she the things that you mentioned that she needs to do to beat Valentina is kind of how she wins most of her fights. You know, the stand-up's not going to be her friend. She's going to need to negate the distance very well. She's going to need to crowd Valentina when she can. You know, she doesn't want to play the outside game and let Valentina dictate when she's going to come in and strike, give her the room to do some of those like spinning back kicks. She's going to need to crowd her. She's going to need to bully her. She's going to need to get her up against the cage, drag her ass to the ground and keep her there for multiple rounds, which is going to be a Herculean task on her end. And that's why the odds are so little, little in her favor. Um, Valentina has shown that she's really good at managing the distance. She's really good using her footwork to not get trapped against the cage. She's really good at mixing up strikes. So the opponents don't really know how she's going to enter. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of things. Lauren's just going to have to push through. Is just going to have to muscle her way through. She's going to eat shots coming in. Um, and that's what she needs to do. And like you said, Bob, she's going to do it for five rounds. It's going to be hard to think she's going to be able to maintain that pressure maintain her livelihood when she's coming in and probably eating jabs and kicks and punches on the way in to get some of these clinch takedowns, the amount of stamina it's going to take for her to muscle Valentina down. These are all really tough question marks. Lauren's going to have to fight through to even make this fight competitive, which I think maybe a round or two, she'll be able to, she'll be able to, you know, have the stamina momentum mentality. You know, she's a very mentally strong fighter from what I've seen. Um, to do some of those things, but it's hard to think she's going to be able to withstand that type of pressure for five rounds and keep putting it on Valentina. We haven't seen anyone else really do it. Um, it would be probably Bobby from just the line, like the biggest upset. You know, Lauren Murphy has earned her way here, but she's always been someone that hasn't really. I don't think a lot of us were thinking title contender for a while, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an uphill battle for her, um, but. That is kind of her style, you know, the way she has to win this fight. The weaknesses of Valentina are kind of her strength, but Valentina's weaknesses have not shown to be 
that you know vulnerable or for people to exploit them that easily so yeah i got valentina um no best of lauren you know give it a good shot uh see what you got but it's gonna be tough mike i've got valentina as well but if i may stress to all of you out there the value and the significance of a flyer at negative 1300 underdog uh that's when you know you just put a little ten bucks on Lauren Murphy, you know you know you won't miss ten bucks, but you may get a nice little return back if uh, for some reason she wins. Mike giving sound investment advice right there, folks. Um, yeah, clean sweep for Miss Shevchenko. Um, Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler. How do we? We can't provide analysis here. It's not no possible. analysis is needed. This. This might be the one of the last times we can do this, guys. It's all it's, it's all emotion on this pick. All right, I'm not gonna tell you about you know the the the, te- the technical side of this particular. I mean, it's fight. also basically a pick 'em betting wise. I think they're both around minus one fifteen, one ten, right? Something like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I re- not having Steph here. It's gonna be a. It's going to be an adjustment. I, got I didn't it. realize you were talking to me. I got it. Minus, uh, one, minus 104, Nick Diaz. Yeah. yeah, minus 104, Nick Diaz. Minus 118, Robbie Lawler. It's impossible to have analysis of this. Robbie is fighting infrequently. Nick hasn't fought in seven fucking years. I'm not picking against Nick Diaz here. I just, I'm not. It's just, I'm too excited for him to be back. I'm really excited. I mean, I could set myself up for some misery here, but I'm excited to have him back. And that's it. And there's, he's a legend. And it's hard. He has like ten losses. I'm sure, at least. He's got. I mean, Robbie's a legend too. You got. You could. You, people look at these guys and think they're how are you guys legends, Marcus, with guys with records with like 10, 12, 13 losses. Right. I think they both have. Sure. Because more than anything else, when this sport was first coming up, it wasn't about money because there was no money to make. It was who went out there and just put it on the line, and you got two guys who put it on the line every single time, and. I'm happy Nick's back. Um, this is at 170, which I wouldn't have been surprised if he went up to 185, to be honest. Especially, I think Robbie would have been fine with it, too. But uh, Nick stays in shape. Robbie's never... I don't think Robbie's ever missed weight, honestly. At least not UFC Robbie. Uh, maybe Strike Force sleeping at press conference Robbie. But I got Nick finishing... Uh, not finishing. Nick winning this fight. Maybe he finishes it, maybe he doesn't. But I got Nick winning this fight. Mike, you got Nick also? Yeah, I've got Nick as well. Um, this might be, I thought for sure I was never going to see Nick Diaz fight again. Um, so this is a really big treat that we're going to be able to see him again. Um, the one time I picked against the Diaz brother, I lost $5,000 in the process and I learned never to do that again. You didn't lose $5,000. You fa- you, you blew a win at $5,000. You didn't go negative $5,000. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, there's a difference <laughs> there. <laughs> uh, true. That is true. Yeah, um, Marcus, I'm going to be disappointed when Nick gets cut real early because I'm going to be like, Nick, you had seven fucking years to fix, to get the surgery, to clean up your brow and shit. But yeah, what do you think in this one? <laughs> uh, I'm also going to go with Nick, um, but it is, I mean, there's some caveats. I mean, you, you do look at what Robbie has done recently, and he's he's on a really bad st- skid. You know, it's, it's four losses in a row. Now, these are what I feel is like some of the top guys, maybe Ben Askren being a weird hiccup in there because he was doing extremely well in that fight. And then the end was somewhat controversial. You know, was he really out? Was he not? You know, the debate continues. Um, 
Nick hasn't fought in since 2015. So it's been a good six years. That's a long time. And to be honest, his last couple outings did not, you know, compel a lot of confidence in what he's able to do. You know, the fight against GSP was a bad stylistic matchup. And then him and Anderson left a lot to be desired because, you know, there was a lot of Nick trying to bait him. I mean, which is all good and fun at the end of the day. You know, he's doing the lay down and, and, and paint me like my like uh, your French girls kind of stuff. But like at the end of the day, it's like I really want to see him fight. And the Diaz brothers are at their best when they're being combative, when they're throwing a lot of hands, when they're not outputting, they're losing fights. Um, and with Robbie, that's dangerous. You know, I, I right before this podcast, the UFC put out a little highlight clip of, you know, all of you know the be- best moments from Lawler's career. And it's extensive. This guy's been here for a long time. And we definitely, I himself included, I think started sleeping on him during some of his strike force run where he was, it seemed, uninspired in some of his fights i mean marcus he he was literally sleeping so well done i was like (laughs) man fell asleep at a press conference he was sleeping (laughs) um but it was interesting to see that vigor re-lighten him when he came back to the ufc and captured the belt and held the belt and you know like you said bobby well maybe some of the newer fans don't know like you know some of the great performances these guys put on they should know robbie because it wasn't that long ago that he was an unlikely contender to get that belt and then to hold it and defend it and really kind of made us all rethink like, okay, this guy's got miles left on the, on the car. Cause like we thought he was done. We thought he was going to go in the UFC, maybe have a good showing here, maybe get a decent win and then right out into the sunset. But he proved us all wrong. And the Roy McDonald fight, I loves to be in a scrap. He doesn't mind getting hit. He doesn't mind getting bloodied. These things don't deter him much like Nick. Um, so, I mean, I hope, I think at the end of the day, I hope these guys put on the performance that we know they're both capable of. We know both these guys can scrap. We know both these guys don't care about a little cut or blood. Um, And hopefully we get a satisfying conclusion, whether it is a judge's call. I I would hate to see this fight stopped via cut, which I think is a likely scenario with the Diaz brothers, with specifically Nate, how much scar tissue he has, how easy he is to open up. Um, so, you know, we'll see. They both, I, they both putting, need to get that, uh, Vanderlei surgery where they like shave down your shit. And they shave, and, yeah. I'm, and Nate needs, you know, to, Nate's fucking still active enough that he, Nick had seven years and it doesn't look like right. he did it. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I don't know. End of the day, like, I just hope this fight, you know, lives up to what I think we all know these guys are capable of. And it doesn't end in some kind of wishy-washy, you know, weird scenario. Where, where is this happening? clean ending. Where is this card? Uh, it's in Vegas. T-Mobile. Okay, so it's we're not going to get some New York commission bullshit. Yeah, I hope it doesn't get stopped too early. You know, these guys are going to bleed. You know, it's going to happen. This is part of the, f- the fun of the fight. But yeah, like uh, Mike said, you know, this could easily be the last time we see Nick. Um, so hopefully, you know, he gets to, to put on, on a performance we know he's capable of. Because when the guy's on, not only does he win, he just looks fantastic. It's a fun fight to watch. I just hope he's, he's not hesitant on the trigger. He's able to let his hands go. You know Robbie's going to. Um, so hopefully it's fun. And I got Nick. Um, all right. Um, next fight, Curtis Blades, the biggie boy. Curtis Blades, a big favorite. Minus 350 to biggie boys plus 265. Um, look, what we're all betting on here, what we're all picking here is whether we think the biggie boy is going to catch him with something before he gets grinded into dust over 15 minutes, right? I think he's getting grinded into dust. I got Curtis Blades winning. Though I think we're getting close to Big. I mean, Biggie Boy getting anywhere near a title shot. I know he got murdered by the champion. 
But he's got some wins going, I think. I still don't think he's going to get it done here. Mike, what do you think? Mm-hmm. I think it will be very similar to the clip's uh, most famous single, a lot of grinding. Marcus? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I mean, obviously, Curtis Blades' path to victory is to wrestle this man, grab him to the ground, you know, and make him. And what I was interested in is seeing um, if Biggie Boy has fought in anyone the caliber of wrestler that Curtis Blades in. And no one on his resume that, that I've I'm with right there's a lot of fights fighters I don't know but I can't imagine they're as good as wrestling as Curtis Blades is so Curtis really just has to be wary of his entries making sure that he gets clean clinches in or when he shoots it's clean and it's set up properly instead of just doing a blind you know shot from far away because that could reap trouble trouble but outside of that I think if if Blades gets him down in the first round, we're going to have a pretty – it's going to be smooth sailing for him from there. I think he's going to be able to gas Biggie Boy, um, and the and the rest of the takedown should be easier. A lot of the strength and uh, danger that Biggie Boy presents you know, with his heavy hands, with his kickboxing background, um, should slowly start to negate as you know Curtis is able to grind him out. So we'll see. All right. Um, and finally, Cynthia Calvillo versus Jessica Andrade. Jessica Andrade, pretty decent-sized favorite, if I'm not mistaken, Mike. Uh, yes, uh, she is a negative 280 favorite. Um, Calvillo probably gets a title shot if she wins. She's ranked number four, I believe. How many has uh, she won in a row? Wow. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, if she doesn't win, probably, um, the, this Talia Santos, Roxanne Modafferi fight, the winner comes out of that as a title contender. It's supposed to be Tatiana Suarez in that other fight. Tatiana tore her knee apart. Um, so here we are. Um, I don't think Calvillo. Um, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of off the train here, and I, Jessica Andrade seems too small for this weight class. But this is also a weight class Calvillo had to be pushed into because she kept missing weight. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna take Andrade. She just she finishes girls, and Calvillo seems very. We're all kind of riding the high of her first couple wins. I think still, Mark. Yeah, I'm on the same side here. Um, I think Jessica has proven that even though she is a little smaller for the weight class, she still packs a lot of power. Um, She's very explosive. I think Cynthia obviously does her best when she's going to be able to utilize her grappling. And it'll be interesting to see if she can do that. Um, I'm hedging my bets that she's not. I think Jessica's just going to be too rough and tumble. She's going to catch her with something coming in um, or off an exchange off of a clinch or something. You know, she'll she'll be able to find a home for her. Like to put Cynthia, maybe not even away, but enough to make her a lot hesitant on what she's going to do. So, yeah, I got Jessica on this one. You muted Bob. I'm guessing it's going to Mike. Sorry, Mike. Yeah, I believe that's going to be the case as well. Um, Calvillo lost her last fight. So, I mean, granted, the vision is pretty thin, but I, I still can't imagine she would get a title shot off of this. But I have Jessica in this one as well. Um, Calvillo hasn't really been what we thought she was going to be. Um, I think when she first came up, um, Jessica Andrade amazingly is still only 29, uh, considering that she's been UFC champion already. And, um, it's been a while, um, since she's even been champ. So you would almost think it's as if she's almost over the hill, but conceivably she's just hitting her her prime now so um it's possible she has another a a second run in her so um 
she ha- carries a lot of power. Um, that's still the case um, for 125. And honestly, she's fighting someone who's undersized for the division. So going with Josh. Yeah. Right on. Clean sweep there. Um, one last thing. Because there was articles about Jessica Andrade. She has an OnlyFans and her art, her picture is getting leaked out. Because well, that's, that's, just, that's just fucked. That's okay. just wrong. Yeah, man. I just want to say, if you're out there and you want to... I mean, just fucking pay for it, man. She's out there trying to supplement her shitty UFC income. What? How much is OnlyFans for somebody? 10 bucks? 15 bucks? 20 bucks? No, Annie up, man. I'm just saying. Like, don't be a piece of shit about this. If if you want to see your fighters, your favorite fighters bits or whatever, pay the 20 bucks a month. Yeah, come on. Be If you're an adult, especially. I'm not saying I'm not excusing. Actually, if you're not an adult, you definitely shouldn't be looking at this stuff. But like, come on, man, you got a job, you got an income, allocate some money for this thing. Anyway, um, that's it. Pretty good card overall. Um, Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler, though, probably the real main event for a lot of us. Um, And I look forward to hearing all these people in Vegas going nuts for Nick. And nobody dislikes Robbie Lawler either. This should be fun. I'm very excited for that. In order of excitement, that's the main f- excitement for me is that fight followed by the main event. Because I think the main event is going to be... I think it's hard for Brian Ortega to have boring fights, Marcus. Just the nature of his style. Even if he's losing. Yeah. No, you know? I agree. I think I think Nick should be definitely bringing in more eyeballs. But the main event should and probably will deliver on its own front, which is fantastic. I, I do think the Valentina fight, you know, we've seen Valentina sometimes when she gets in a rhythm, if she's just beating Lauren Murphy on the feet, you know, she's just going to keep picking away at her. But I, I don't think Brian Ortega you know, is going to allow Alexander to have an easy fight. I was thinking maybe I was hoping this fight would be in Texas so they would let any cut just keep going. But I think if it was in Texas, mm-hmm. 25 minutes of Valentina beating up Jessica, uh, beating up Lauren Murphy could get uncomfortable. Um, that'd be a long fight. Um but we'll see. Um, all right, let's do stuff we like. Um, I got a bunch of random wrestling. I'm going to go last because it's extensive. Um, Mike, let's lead off with you. All right. Um, I started watching this show called Sex Education on on Netflix. It's a British show on this uh, high school kid who has, I guess, an awkward relationship when it comes to sex and his mother because his mother is a well-renowned sex therapist and the premise of the show is i guess he i'm only on the second episode so i'm assuming some when it comes to the rest of the season but wait your second episode of this season or second episode overall you're on overall okay all right because it's a new season that's i'm assuming why you ended up seeing it in your netflix thing right i've got yeah, it looks like there's three seasons of it. So I guess well, the, I, I, the third season premiered. Yeah, I think I saw an article about it, the third season dropping. But sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like the premise of the show is that the 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 son, he starts to, I guess, be like a little mini sex therapist for the, the kids in his school. And so far in the two episodes I've watched, it's a very well-written show. Um the mother is played by Gillian Anderson. For those of you who don't know who that is, that is Agent Scully from The X-Files. You're muted, Bob. I hit the damn button, too. Miss Gillian Anderson? Miss Gillian Anderson. 
So two episodes in. Good so far? Yeah, I mean, I'm using it in the stuff we like. So, you know, I enjoy it some. I mean, you like an episode and a half so far, right? Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, Marcus, what do you got this week? Yeah, not a ton. Um, I guess a uh, new game coming out this week I've had my eye on, and it is actually coming out on PS4, though. I'm still going to wait for reviews. Um, they actually showed this game at a PS5 showcase, and it, it looks visually stunning. And I kind of my hesitation is just like how well is it going to run on uh, the PlayStation 4? Because it very much looks like a next gen game. Uh, this is Kena Bridge of Spirits. Um, when it came out, I think it gets a lot. Of, the biggest comparison is like it looks like a Pixar film as a video game. It's you know very colorful, very just great character models, facial animation. It, Visual effects. I mean, everything about it and look the look of it just seems like, oh, this is this is next gen. This is something that only the PS5 could run. So it is coming on PS4, and I'm very interested to see how that stacks. If it runs okay, I'm probably will end up getting it because it does look very charming and cute. Um, I did want to spot a, a light on what, a game that came out last week called Death Loop. This is one of Sony's big exclusive games for the PS5. Um, this was actually done by Arcane Studios. Um, which is part of Bethesda, which recently got picked up from Microsoft, which is interesting. There's now been two games that came out on the PlayStation platform that are owned by Microsoft Studios. Um, and they've shown that one for quite a bit. It, it looked like a very stylish first-person shooter, and its whole gimmick is that you're basically kind of doing a Groundhog Day kind of deal where every time you die, you restart the same day over and over again. And you know the main plot point of the game is to kill like these eight visionary people or these eight targets in this island. What kind of made me give it more of a look outside of just phenomenal reviews. I mean, a lot of outlets gave this 10 out of 10 masterpiece. I think IGN gave it a 10 uh, EGM gave it a five out of five. A lot of the high profile reviewing uh, sites gave this one high praise. Um, but it wasn't until I saw a video kind of explaining how the game helps you track what you've learned and what you need to learn to go forward. It kind of has like this splitting timeline graph where it shows you, okay, in this area at this time, these are the things you learned about the people that are there. This is what you need to learn next. And if you want to, you can trigger that on the map. So it's like, okay. And having that kind of straightforwardness in kind of a roguelike game like this is really intriguing because a lot of times these games can feel completely overwhelming um, and it's hard to keep track of the knowledge that you've gained and what you've learned throughout your many playthroughs, especially if you end up dropping this game for a while and coming back. Um, having those kind of feature sets in there were kind of very straightforwardly explains to you this is what you know this is the next step you need to learn more um i thought it was really smart um and i could see now knowing that why it has reviewed so well um so if you got a ps5 and you like first person you know shooters kind of like tactical shooters i definitely think you should check out uh, death loop um outside of that i have been playing psychonauts is that a full 2. price That's game the other game that is is that uh, which is one death loop death loop yeah um, interesting enough, uh, Steph got it. It, it would have, I don't think he's actually started playing it yet from what he told me, but he told me it was only 60 bucks, which I was kind of shocked. I thought it would be a $70 game since a lot of the next gen games and that game is only on PS5 and PC. And maybe it's because it's on PC where it's only 60 bucks. And yeah, I was going to say when you said it, you, 70, you said it was PS5, uh, specifically, I was gonna be like, Oh, okay. I thought maybe you bought the wrong mm -hmm. one, but if it's PS5 specifically, okay. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's the only console. I mean, it, it will probably it's probably a time exclusive, so probably within a year time it'll come out to you know Xbox Series X or whatever the hell it is. Um, but yeah, that that one kind of caught me off guard. Um, playing Psychonauts too. I haven't made a ton of headway in there, but I have really enjoyed the time I've been putting into it. Very charming, very cute, fun platformer. And I'm seeing now where some of the reviewers like the platforming can be a little tough. Um, I've already hit some sections that have been kind of tough just to make sure like oh did i overshoot that jump and did i not time it right what exactly did i mess up which can be a little frustrating but overall and honestly the only frustrating p- part about it is when i jumped back into it and i was, was having a little trouble in one of the combat scenarios when you end up dying you have to reload the stage and i can't wait to get a ps5 now because like these load screens are killing me and to know that's basically a non-issue with the new systems is really intriguing um, the last thing I wanted to mention, uh, Bob mentioned this. I've also, you know, the scuttlebutt around, um, you know, the internet and whatever have you. I've heard about this show, um, Only Murders in the Building. It's a Hulu exclusive starring Steve Martin, Martin Shore, and Selena Gomez. Um, it looked intriguing enough. We were kind of just looking for something to watch and gave it a shot. And like I was telling the guys before the show, I never really been a huge, uh, martin shore fan i think like primetime glick was kind of like the most i've seen him do anything and that show was kind of hit or miss there's he had some segments on that show that that were generally funny and i had a good chuckle but a lot of it was kind of cringy you, you didn't like him on mulaney's really shitty show i don't even think i he was like he was supposed to be the big star in that i mean that yeah. show was so bad i can't make heads or tails of, of whose fault that was um but yeah it definitely it, it the cast itself wasn't, I think for a lot of people, it will be, you know, Steve Martin and Martin Short in a, a series again, I think will be more than enough for a lot of people to, to give the show at least a shot. Um, the premise is kind of interesting. It's about uh, these three different characters that don't really know each other, kind of forming a bond over a uh, what's called a, a suicide within the building. And I think what, what has also made the show intriguing is that there's more to these characters that they're slowly unraveling throughout the series. Um, you know, what they kind of tell you up front isn't necessarily the whole truth. So delving into that stuff has been intriguing. And I would just say on the whole, like the shows on every aspect that you look for a television show, it's well done. The writing's good. The acting's obviously good. We have a lot of veteran act actors here. Selena Gomez, I think does a really good job. She's, She's a lot more dry and curt than the other two characters, which are a little bit more boisterous and a little bit more animated. Um, and then, I mean, just stuff like cinematography, shot selection, the different pans they do. There's a lot of times they, they kind of do interesting camera work when they really don't need to. It's just two people talking in the bedroom, but they'll pan around the the room a little bit just to make it interesting, just to make the, the shot um more appealing so all it's kind of hitting on all gears um again this is one of those streaming shows that is doing a weekly release so you know it might have been i i'm starting to yearn for those shows that just dump everything on day one because while i understand you want to have the anticipation you want to have the fervor of the audience talking about you for a month and a half while you slowly dole out the episodes, it is kind of annoying just to have to wait to see what's going to happen next, um, especially now that, you know, we saw the first three episodes and now we're going to be on a weekly basis. But it is going to be a show that we continue to check out. So I definitely have been enjoying it. Um, and I would recommend if you like if any of that stuff appeals to you, I would say at least give it a shot. I think they're like 40 minute episodes, you know, and with Hulu, with the ads, I can end up to be closer to an hour. But 
I think it's worth the investment just to give it a shot and see if it's up up your alley or not. And, and it very easily could not, um, but I've been enjoying it. I gotta say, I enjoy the weekly format. I don't I don't yeah. need I don't need to kill a weekend because the whole new season just dropped and you know now I gotta spend the next thirteen hours watching like all the episodes of Cobra Kai. Like that's too much. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a it's a dual edge, right? Because on the one hand, when you don't have the choice, it's I strongly like, well, disagree. I'm, Sorry, yeah, because I mean, because because <laughs> with Mike, like I, I think a lot of people fall into the same thing that you have. Is like it comes out, you watch an episode, you like it, and now it's like you end up binging it, and it the show stays with you for a less amount of time. You kind of consume it and discard it very quickly. Um, and obviously with these shows, you know, every week you're kind of, I mean, it's nice to have something to look forward to, right? It's like, okay, that I think new episodes come out on Tuesday. So it's a Tuesday show. We have shows that come out on Monday. What if it's on Wednesday? It's nice to have something to look forward to. Ted Lasso's on Friday. So I do kind of like that structure, but sometimes it is just like, I think when the show is really good, like a Ted Lasso, it's like, oh, I just, uh, give me one more, just one more. Yeah, but I just want the choice because I can decide then when I want right, to watch it. Yeah. I mean, who? I don't know who does the weekly on their own, right? It's Not just, weekly, it's, but maybe I watch a couple episodes here. I couple watch a couple here, episodes couple there. there. Yeah. Um. All right, Marcus, you got anything else, brother? Yeah, that's what I got. Nope, that's it. We're done. I'm done. Okay, I'm going to save my discussion about why The Last Man until next week, because I watched all three okay, episodes nice. of that, um, and I'm hoping somebody else does too. Um, Stefan did, but he's not on this goddamn podcast necessarily. I'm intrigued. And I might give it a shot. You never read the book either, right? Nope. Mike, did you ever read the book? No. Okay, I think I'm curious about you guys because I've read the books. So um, it's on Hulu. So if you want to uh, watch that, guys, before we have this conversation next week, check out the Why the Last Man on Hulu. Um, all right, um, the wrestling news. Mike, this is um, – we say this a lot, but this is a huge week for AEW in terms of this card, this two-night card they're putting on, yeah. Grand Slam. Coming from uh, Flushing uh, at Arthur Ashe Stadium, AEW is gonna is called is running New York for the first time ever, um, and they essentially have created a pay per view over two nights. Um, all of it taped Wednesday night, but this is the card as I currently understand it to be. Um, oh great, I fucking lost it. Um, we got Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson on Wednesday night. AEW is not even fucking around, folks. They've had Danielson for two weeks, and um, they know why he's here. We want to see Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. It's what we fucking signed up for. Um, his first match outside of WWE in long time. 10, 12 years, probably. Um, we got Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black. Um I'm a big Malachi Black fan. I'm digging all of this, and I hope he wins. Um, but it's – people love Cody, man. I know the internet gives him shit, but people went nuts when he came out the other night when Rosario Dawson jumped on this dude's back. It's hilarious. Got a lot of uh, – what's the name of her character from uh, Star Wars? Ashoka. Ashoka. A lot of Ashoka is all elite tweets I saw. Made me laugh. Um, Brian Pillman Jr., who all of a sudden, Mike, I've learned that the kid can talk. And got good. It, it actually got me interested. Brian Pillman Jr. taking on um, the pride of Plainview, Long Island, um, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho. That They managed to sell us on a feud in 
one promo or one segment that there. A, that was a good fucking promo. Like I, the, I missed it live on uh, on Friday, but man, I I watched it like on Saturday or Sunday. Ooh, it was good. Yeah, um, you realizing how WWE fucked this up with her is impressive. She literally has every tool you could ever ask for in Ruby Soho there. So, good job, them. Um, FTR versus Sting and Darby Allen. I my favorite part of this whole thing is that FTR said that if they after they beat Sting, Sting isn't allowed to use his uh, so what Sting calls the Scorpion Deathlock, what Bret Hart calls the Sharpshooter. FTR loves Bret Hart. They say after they beat Sting, you shouldn't be able to use that move anymore. That's their condition. <laughs> how do you feel about um, like sixty three year old? How like what Sting's like what sixty something, sixty one, yeah. sixty two? How do you feel about Sting taking that bump last uh, last Friday? That fucking what is it? The uh, just a pile driver essentially? Yeah, honestly, they are using. I'm. I mean, I'm incredibly impressed with how they're using Sting because they are threading a needle here, Mike. Would like. Making him look good, but not making him look too good at the look of the other talent. And him taking that bump was absurd. He took a power bomb on the stage a couple months ago, too. So I don't know how what Sting took to fix his neck and back after 30 years of fucking wrestling. But more than 30 years, actually. I think he's been doing this since the mid-80s, I think. So don't know how. That's night one. Second night, our guy Will Hobbs. I say our guy because he's from the town, you know. He's taking care of town business. Taking on CM Punk. I'm very excited for this one. I like Will Hobbs getting that rub. Um, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley taking on Suzuki Goon and Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer. They're just going to fight all over that building. That's what's going to happen. I, I appreciate that they turned, what was it, that just literal, just innocent um, mistake into like an actual thing, the Suzuki incident. Yeah, they, they it became a meme, and they made a thing out of it. Um, Lucha Brothers, Santana and Ortiz against Private Party, The Butcher, and The Blade. Realistically, Mike, I think that arena is going to lose their fucking mind for uh, Santana and Ortiz. I think they're going to lose their goddamn minds. I think Eddie, Eddie Kingston is going to get a big cheer, but I think they're going to lose their mind for Santana and Ortiz. Because... If it was real, if it if that building was filled with real people from Queens, man, they'd be like, nah, fuck these people from the Bronx. There, I mean, there's gonna be so many Puerto Ricans there, man. I'm telling oh. you, that's gonna be that's gonna be that show. Um, Anna J, Penelope Ford, Mike's favorite wrestler, right there, Penelope Ford. And then um, the one everybody's very excited for here: Jurassic Express and Christian taking on Adam Cole and the Young Bucks, aka the Super Click. Mike, you okay? <laughs> Yeah, I'm good. I'm okay. Good, uh, this is an absurd card, top to bottom. I am very excited to watch both nights of it. So that's really all we can say. And they have 18,000 people there. It's the biggest show they've ever done. Stadium. I don't know if the roof is the roof going to be on. What's the weather like over there these days, Mike? It's uh, it's pretty nice. Um, I think it'll be a good weather, um, even at night, to have the roof open. Right on. Um, so that's a big thing. Um, another thing worth mentioning is that this week, one of the, one of our favorites and Mark included one of his favorites, our guy, Big E, Mm. this happened during the podcast last week. Big E is the WWE champion. Um, and it's, you can really tell when somebody's popular among the actual wrestlers, when something like this happens, because on Twitter, 
from every promotion, people were going nuts for Big E. Will Hobbs was on there. Half of AEW was on there. NWA, TNA, all these guys were on there praising Big E by being such a good dude. And uh, he even got the line in, Mark, earlier in the show where he said it's going to be some big meaty men slapping meat. Which mm-hmm. is, he knows how to sell himself. He knows what he's doing. Um, and um, I recommend everybody, if they can, listen to the New Day podcast last week. I think I talked about it, about mental health they talked about, and it mm-hmm. was really interesting. And Big E talking about his own struggles and later that evening winning the world championship. Well, I'm not sure they did that on purpose because I don't think WWE plans anything in advance. And uh, I thought that was just a nice dichotomy there. And finally, Mike, the return of your and my uh, favorite depressing documentary series. Yeah. Dark Side of the Ring. Dark Side of the Ring is back. The first episode was about the plane ride from hell. We learned some bad... We didn't learn. We confirmed some bad stuff about Ric Flair. Um, Not a great look for him. Not a great look for Dustin Runnels. Really bad look for Tommy Dreamer. Um... We learned a and story. Bad look, bad look for Tommy Tommy Dreamer, not even during the events of the plane ride, just his caveman stupidity attitude in the present day. Yeah, Marcus, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you've heard about this, but basically they're telling the story of a 2003 plane ride with all the WWE talent flying back from Europe that had mm. a seven-hour delay on the ground, and, then a, and so it took them 14 hours to get there. They went through three or four liquor carts, um, everybody was hammered. Ric Flair was naked in his robe, basically um, trying to get a grabbing a flight attendant's hand to put it on his dick. Mm. Um, Dustin Runnels was hammered, gold dust, on the microphone, singing to his ex-wife, uh, Terry. Remember her? Mm-hmm. X-Pac cut off Michael Hayes' ponytail. Um, okay, of all the things you said, yeah. this seems a less... Brock Lesnar and Brock, uh, uh, Kurt Hennig... Was it a a, Mr. Perfect? Mr. Perfect had a handful of shaving cream, was it? And he smacked Brock Lesnar on top of the head with it. Brock Lesnar chased him down the airplane. They got into a wrestling match. Brock Lesnar almost tackled him through the emergency exit. Mm -hmm. Um, They ripped out parts of the seat. It was a bad look. And then Tommy Dreamer was on there excusing Ric Flair's behavior, which Tommy Dreamer Dreamer took 25 years of a good reputation and ruined it in one documentary. Ric Flair's denying all this. Um, but anyway, right. that was this week. Next week's episode or this week's episode is about Chris Canyon, um, very underrated wrestler. And, um, this week the undertaker is going to get roasted. And so is WWE because I was waiting for this episode because, um, he was gay. Remember Canyon Marcus? Yeah. It was WCW, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Canyon was gay. Um, and kind of in the closet that people seem to know WWE had a segment where they had him come out of a box, so come out of a closet, dressed as Boy George, singing "Do you really want to hurt me?" And the mm. Undertaker hit him with Undertaker hit him with the stiffest chair shot, chair shot, probably ever, and knocked him out cold. Even yeah. stiffer than the Maven chair shot. That was pretty bad too. Undertaker really dished out some some really brutal headshots back in the day with chairs. Um, other other episodes this second half of this season are going to be about uh, FMW which was famous for the um, exploding ring matches in Japan. Mark mm. and I used to get videotapes of those. They weren't good matches. Shit just blew up at some point. Um, another one about Luna Vachon there's going to be. Um, and then finally, they're going to do an episode about the steroid trial, which I've, would, I've been waiting for this episode for the entire existence of this show. 
the steroid trial what's that where Vince McMahon got tried by the government for distributing steroids to his wrestlers and Whoa. uh wow and yeah it got real dicey at the end there anyway a lot of wrestling talk as there always is this with me on this podcast but I'm excited for AEW and uh Dark Side of the Ring really just confirming that this generation of wrestlers with their video games and uh all that stuff really better than uh what we had back in the day <laughs> really a better look better distraction than drug yeah when, when Undertaker was talking about how these wrestlers are soft and you know used to go drinking every night at the hotel and anyway much better look to uh, you know see Adam Cole on Twitch sure you yeah. know and stuff yeah. like that so um next week we'll be back though um the UFC we're gonna see if we have new champions in either white class either the men's uh featherweight division or the women's flyweight division um there is a card next weekend johnny walker versus tiago santos headlining um kevin holland on the card against a nobody nico price versus alex Oliveira, misha serkinov this is better names than most of their cards these days um aspen lads on there antonia shevchenko betch kohea still in the ufc jesus christ um, Misha Serkinov is listed on this card twice, so you might be fighting two people. Yeah, you pulling never know. Double duty, pulling duty, duty. Um, that was it for this week, though. Um, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. I know we missed some episodes earlier uh, this month. Gonna try to avoid that. See if we can go the rest of the year without missing one. Uh, sure, we'll do our best at least. Um, but I was Doctor Law. That was DJ Mark, and that was Lavender Gooms. Thank you all so much for listening. See y'all next week. Peace out. See ya. Goodbye.